Well, welcome to week three of our series called Build, the relationships that we build, the relationships that you build matter. Now, maybe you're new to our church. This is your first week. Maybe it's your second week. Maybe you've missed a few weeks. I want to take a couple of moments and catch you up on where we've been so far in this series because this series is extremely important to where we are as a church and where we're going as a church. And so in week one, we, we opened up this series looking at John 4, and we talked about the idea that we need to build relationships, share the story, and bring the people. This entire series is designed to help our church be you, become united and stay united and aligned together on mission-critical things to focus us and our efforts as a body around the mission of God in our world. We want our hearts as a group, as followers of Jesus to be aligned with his heart. And Jesus gave us a process. He gave us a strategy for accomplishing his work in this world. And, and we see this all throughout the gospels. We see this in so many of the apostles' writings, how Jesus would model and how the apostles would model for us how we are called to interact with people who need the hope of salvation. And as we looked at John 4, we saw that Jesus built relationships with people. He specifically spent time with people that he wasn't supposed to spend time with socially. And in that case, in John 4, it was the Samaritan woman. But Jesus had a mission and he crossed all of the barriers that existed and he acted on what he knew would accomplish his mission in our world. And the same goes for us. We have to build relationships with people who don't know Jesus. But Jesus didn't just build relationships, he shared what those people truly needed. The woman at the well, she needed forgiveness. And the same is true for you and for me, that people without Jesus have a need and this need cannot be filled by anything or anyone else. That our deepest need is forgiveness from our sin. So Jesus pointed out her sin, but he also gave her a solution. Good news. We call that the gospel. And then he told her to bring others to come and see. It demonstrates this, this process that, that if we know Christ and Christ has made a change in us, then we will be truly concerned that those around us who have yet to experience that change need to experience that change. And we are going to bring those people to come and see and know and experience, especially if we care about being obedient to Jesus. If we long to be obedient to Jesus, we will build relationships we will share the story of the gospel, and we will invite others to come and see. It's really that simple. And last week, we asked the question of what is the gospel? That the first thing to remember is that the gospel means good news. But the gospel is the good news of Jesus' life, death, burial, and his resurrection to bring us salvation. And this is very good news for us because there was also and is also some very bad news. That without salvation, we as people, we are lost forever. And there's, there's no worse news than that. We are lost. We are separated from God. There is punishment for being in that state 
But the good news is the gospel, and the fall of man is why we need salvation. And the whole story of the gospel is, is important. I shared with you the gospel acronym last week. You've seen it. You've heard it. Greg Steer wrote it several years ago that God created us to be with him, that our sin separates us from him, that sins cannot be removed by good deeds. And paying the price for sin, Christ died and rose again. Then everyone who calls on him alone can have life, and life starts at salvation, and it never ends. We learned that the foundation for all we do will always be the gospel. And that brings us to the next part of our study on building relationships with, with, with purpose and, and relationships that matter. And specifically today, we're going to talk about and we're going to focus on how we should interact inside those relationships. We can clearly see in the Bible that, that Jesus built relationships with people who are far from God, but what does that look like for us? What does that look like for you and for us as a church? What does that look like for me? What do we do and what do we say? How conscious are we about the impression that we're giving to the outside world? I know that I can, I can get lazy, uh, just like you. I can get lazy. I can, I can be at the store or at an event or at the airport and, and I just want to do my own thing. I just want to stay inside of my own little box and I want to relax. And I sometimes forget that there is always a watching world around me. And this is, in, this is especially important as, as, we, as we know that there are people that we have relationships with who know that we're believers. That's, that raises the bar just a little bit for us. And we have to stay aware of this because even if they don't know us yet, who knows what conversations they could start with us? Who knows what gospel opportunity we could have in each and every setting that we find ourselves in? We don't really get time off, if I could be so bold to say that. There is a, there is a constant need, and there is a constant reminder as we interact with those who are around us, that the gospel needs to be continually on our minds and ready to come out of our mouths as well. If you have a Bible this morning, would you find Colossians 4? We're going to be spending the next two weeks here in this text. Paul is in prison. He's writing to the church of Colossae, and, and he has some really important things that he says here in Colossians chapter 4, or in, in the book of Colossians, but specifically in Colossians 4. And I want to say this while you're finding your place. I've been so encouraged by so many of you who are allowing these teachings to challenge and encourage you to press forward and toward the kingdom mission that God has called each and every one of us to be on. It's been a huge blessing to hear from so many of you that you've implemented these habits in your everyday life and you're allowing them to make an impact in the world that you are in each and every day. And so if you're there in Colossians chapter 4, we're going to start reading together at verse 1. Paul writes, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word 
to declare the mystery of Christ, on all account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul gives us two principles here in, in, verse, in, in verses 5 and 6, a behavioral principle, and then he gives us a conversational principle. Today we're going to give our attention to the behavior side of this, and then next week we're going to talk about the, the conversation piece. So let's look at verse 5 again. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. As followers of Jesus, as his disciples, we must walk in wisdom. Or you can insert the word discernment here. We must walk in wisdom or discernment with people around us who are far from God. Now, this has to do specifically with our actions. And we're going to come back to this wisdom piece here in just a few moments, a little later in our message, because, because if we're supposed to have wisdom, we need to know how to get it. So we're going, to, we're going to talk about that. But the first thing that we see here in verse 5 is how we walk matters. How you walk this life, it matters. And our walk needs to match our talk. You've heard that before, right? Both are extremely important. We need to have a, a way that we walk. We need to have a lifestyle, a way we behave around those who don't know Jesus in our lives, our families, our workplaces, wherever you find yourself. We also need to have a way that we speak, a way that we, the way that we talk, because what we say to people matters. And what we do around people matters. Those two should be consistent in order to present the gospel in a clear way. Now, this conversation has the potential to be legalistic. It, it could go there. If you start thinking through this idea of how we're supposed to walk and how we're supposed to talk, and then if we become kind of the defining pieces to that storyline, then, then it has the potential to become a legalistic conversation. So I'm not saying that we have to be perfect or that anyone in this room has the right to make the call on what is the perfect way to live. But I am saying that we are called to pursue Christ. That we are called to, to imitate Christ. And Paul tells us that, and Jesus reminds us of that, and Paul is telling us here in this text that, that what we do and what we say should match what we believe. And when we make a mistake, we simply ask God for forgiveness, as well as anyone else who may have been affected, and we get back up and we get back to what we know we should be doing. So that's a little bit of a rabbit trail. But this word walk, it shows up all throughout the New Testament. You see it, if you begin in Matthew and you just underline all the times you see this, this word walk, it, it's really important, but it has a very distinct meaning in this context. We see it show up in Ephesians 4, where Paul tells the church that he's a prisoner of the Lord and he urges them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That Greek word that Paul uses here for walk, it doesn't mean just taking steps, walking across the stage or walking across the room. It, it means to conduct one's life 
or one's self. It's a word for our lifestyle. It's a word for our behavior, our actions. And for some Christians, we tend to live in two different worlds. We, we have a church life and we have a, a secular life. We have two different walks that we walk, which then influences the way that we talk. Do you know someone who lives like that? And I, I, I would say we all do. I can think of some people. I, I, know, I know what they're like when I, when I see them at church. And I know what they're like when I see them at other places or around town. And those people don't always match. There's two different people, two different walks, and they don't always match. Maybe you work with someone like that. Maybe you work with a Christian like that at your workplace. I've shared that story. I've worked with several who they just didn't seem to have a walk and a talk that matched. Maybe you're trying to build relationships at work for the purpose of an ongoing faith conversation, and, and there's another Christian at work who's, who's tripping you up. They keep getting in the way with their terrible testimony or even their bad habits and, and maybe their harsh tone, and you kind, of, you kind of wish they didn't represent the Christian faith and what you believed. And I hope none of you are that person, by the way. But if you are, make sure you're listening this morning. The reality is this. There is no actual separation between our faith and our lives. There's no church box, and then there's no work box, and there's no home box, and then there's no family box. There's one box. We don't get to compartmentalize our life like that. And that's not what Jesus has in mind for us either. Now, we may want to live like that, but if the Spirit of God is working in us, and if the Spirit of God is living in us, we can't stay in that position very long. We for sure can't stay there and be living in the joy of the Lord. But if we are building our lives on the foundation of the gospel, we must give attention to how we walk. What do, the, what do lost people see in us? What do lost people see in you? What do the unsaved people in your circle think of you or of us? Do they see a group of people who are, who are walking with the Lord, who have been called to walk this way? Every believer has been called to that. And by God's grace, we have been saved. Ephesians 1 says that those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus are in him. That phrase, in him, it just means that, that we belong to Jesus. As verse 13 says in Ephesians 1, it says, when we heard and believed, we were marked in him and sealed with the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of us. We are called to walk differently. Now this walk, it isn't just for pastors. It's not just for church leaders. It's not for missionaries alone. It's for everyone who is in him. The people around us who are far from God, they they should see him in us. There's honestly, there's nothing more important than this. There's nothing that should get our allegiance more than this. There's nothing that should get our attention or our calendar space more than this. 
In Ephesians 4, Paul says that he is a prisoner of the Lord. I want you to think about what this meant in in Paul's world and in this context because Paul saw himself as fully belonging to Jesus. He belonged to him. This is his declaration of submission. This is seen in Colossians 4 as well. Paul was often in an actual prison for his faith. But he never viewed himself as a prisoner to Rome or to whatever country or city he found himself in at the time. He was a willing prisoner of the Lord. Now, I doubt any of us are going to actually have to endure actual prison for our our faith or for the gospel. But we are called to do his work, his kingdom work, no matter what the cost. And once we surrender our hearts to him— He is our Lord, and we are his willing servants. Now, there's more to it than just walking. We should walk a certain way. We should walk in wisdom. I'm a little bit behind on my slides, so I'm sorry. There you go. Walk in wisdom. Like I said earlier, if we're supposed to have wisdom, if we need it in order to be walking the right way, we need to know how to get it, right? We have to find or we have to seek out wisdom. And thankfully, we have a God who cares about us, and he doesn't make us guess on how to do this. He gives us the formula that we need. We see it all throughout the scriptures, and specifically we see it in Proverbs. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. So how do we get wisdom? This topic is important, and most of us know that wisdom is the theme of Proverbs because Proverbs 1 says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. The purpose is to teach people wisdom. But I love what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. We should put the acquisition of wisdom on the top of our daily to-do list. It should be on the top of my list of things to do every single day. But becoming wise is one of the most important things that any Christ follower can do or will do. And James 1 reminds us that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. God is good to us. And we can ask him for wisdom, and he will be faithful to give it. God will always provide you with wisdom when you need it because he is with you. His spirit is in you. We have to pursue wisdom, though. We've got to go after it, especially if we want to be effective in the work that God has called each and every one of us to do. I wish we could could just wake up and say, hey, I'm just going to be wise today. I wish it was that easy. I wish we could just roll out of bed and say, I'm going to be a wise person, and boom, it just happens. But unfortunately, it requires a little bit more than that. Because Proverbs 2 reminds us, if you seek it, wisdom, like silver, and search for it like hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear 
of the Lord. So many action words are represented in those verses right there. Write that reference down, find it in your Bible sometime and highlight and underline that. That we need to seek. This is, a, this is us wanting it and recognizing that we need it. And then we search. This is us going after it, asking God for it and looking to him and then we will understand. This is us receiving it and being able to use it. Back to our Colossians text. We walk in wisdom with purpose. And that sentence is really important because there's an intentionality behind the way we live that if we want to be on mission, we have to walk in wisdom. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Church family, brothers and sisters, friends in the room, we need to make the best use of the time that we have. Ephesians 5 said something very similar just a few moments ago, to make the most of every opportunity. I believe the clock is continually ticking and our time here on earth is extremely short. That this life is just a, it's just a blip on the radar of eternity. And although I don't believe God is disappointed in us that, that, that we care deeply about the everyday things of this life, I don't think he's disappointed that we care about our jobs and our careers and, and, and our retirement plans. But, but, but I, I bet he does wish that we would give just a little bit more time to the things, to the things that are eternal. That we only have so much time with the people who are far from God around us and their eternity is in the balance and the gospel can change it all. Paul realized how vital time was. Paul had, exper- Paul had experienced beatings and imprisonments. He had, been, he had been shipwrecked for the gospel's sake. And so this, this, this perspective of, of being eternally focused, it's It influenced him in great ways. You can see it throughout the thread of his writings. And Paul tells the New Testament churches over and over again that the gospel is of first importance and that we need to be sharing it. Time is short. Every person who has ever lived will stand before God and that should motivate us to be about his work. So are we making the best use of the time that we have. Yes, we still have to live our daily lives. Unfortunately, you still have to get up tomorrow and go to work. And God gave us our emotions so he doesn't condemn us for caring about the things that matter to us that we have going on, but our eternal mission critical things getting the majority of our focus. Because if we want to be on mission, we have to walk in wisdom. And so the question this morning for our church is simple. Are we walking in wisdom? And I'll take it a step further. Are we walking in wisdom toward outsiders? How would you answer that question? As you reflect back on last week, on Monday through Friday, and the opportunities that you had, did you make the most of every opportunity? And did you walk in wisdom with those who are outside the faith? How is your walk, by the way? Would you say that you're, you're, you're following God's plan for your life the way that he would want you to, or do you have some work to do? 
And if you've been listening and you realize that you need to make amends for the way you've been walking, whether that's with a coworker, a family member, or a friend, choose humility for the gospel's sake and own your business and make it right. I mean, think, what kind of impact would that have? How would that change the impression of Christians with the unsaved in your circle? Or maybe, maybe you've been listening and you realize you haven't, you haven't negatively affected your testimony, but speaking of testimony about that, you don't really have one. You haven't shared anything about your faith with anyone. You haven't let anyone know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You haven't been conscious of the loss that are around you every day. And I pray, and I've been praying, that you would make the conscious choice to be mindful of this. That you would move forward and that you would ask for God's wisdom and his discernment and his passion to take seriously the things that he thinks you should take seriously. Or maybe when it comes to Colossians 4, you're just rocking it. Like you're just, you should write a book on how awesome you're doing with Colossians 4. Your walk, it matches your talk, and and it matches what you believe, and you're laser focused, you never miss an opportunity. You are making the most of every single moment that you have, and you're focused on the people in your life who need to hear the gospel and the good news. That's awesome. Keep it up. Bring someone along with you. Show someone else how to stay eternally focused. Show someone else how to walk in wisdom toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Bring someone younger in the faith along with you. Commit yourself to praying for other believers to do the same. Speaking of prayer, I want to go back to Colossians 4. So look at verse 2 of Colossians 4, and then we're going to close in just a moment. Paul says, continue steadfastly. Or we could insert the, the phrase, be devoted there. Be devoted in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. This is a community thing. This is not just a pastor or a staff member or a missionary or or just those who have been walking with Jesus for decades upon decades kind of thing. Paul is encouraging the church in Colossae to rally together. It's a community effort. We pray together and we share together. We build relationships together. We share the hope of the gospel together and we bring others to come and see and know and experience together. We continue steadfastly. We are in a devoted position. That's what Paul says that God may open doors for us. So we should pray for each other every single day. I think we should wake up every single morning and pray that our church family, this body, the people that we get to do life together with, will be devoted in prayer that we will be rejoicing in hope, that we will persevere through the challenges, and that we will be alert to whatever gospel opportunities come our way. 
It's a community thing. That's why we're talking about it so much right now as a church. Because there's honestly nothing better to talk about. Because his gospel is what changed my life. And his gospel is what changed your life. And that gospel is what will change the world. We can't forget that. And we, as the body, get to do that together. So in just a few moments, I'm going to give us an opportunity as the body to pray together and to pray for one another. And, and that's what I want to do. I want each of you to take a moment. And I want you to pray. I want you to make the commitment to pray every single morning this week for your brothers and sisters in Christ that we would be devoted to sharing and proclaiming the gospel to those who are around us. That we would make the most of every opportunity. And that we would walk in wisdom. That we would continue steadfastly. And so it's going to be quiet, but in the quiet of the room, I want you to take just a moment right where you sit to pray that you would walk in wisdom and that those around you would walk in wisdom as well and make the most of every opportunity. Then I'll come back and I'll close us in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the time that you have granted us to gather together today. And Lord, we're thankful for this challenge from the Apostle Paul this morning to walk in wisdom toward people who don't know you and to make the most of every opportunity. So God, I pray that we would be a people who are completely and totally devoted to your gospel, to your mission in this world, And that we would boldly and lovingly proclaim that message to the world around us. God, I pray that we as the body here would be faithful and committed to praying for each other every single day. Because we are placed every day in the path of people who have yet to find you. So God, I pray that we would be Reminded of, of that truth every single day that there is a watching world who truly needs the Savior. God, I pray that we would walk in wisdom and make the best use of our time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.